Today is part two of our series on guidance, and I usually start with a recap, but can somebody tell me what we talked about last week? How to not find guidance, yes. How to not find a wife, yeah, and what was one of the bad ways of finding guidance that Gideon used? A fleece, and Gideon didn't actually use it for guidance, he'd already been told what to do. He used it because he was afraid and didn't trust God. So uh, we're going to this week to have a goal of putting together some basic rules of guidance from a New Testament model. And what I'd like to say is, God, does God direct us? And if so, how? Um, so two, two problematic views. There's the dot and the circle, which... We're going to look at to start with, and then I'm going to move on to New Testament examples of guidance and some basic principles that we can use. Um, you know, there's uh, even outside of Christian circles, there's a real hunger to to know what should I do, how should I live, what what's happening in this world. And I was walking out Queen Street, and I saw this. Uh, uh, snap this picture and this is like a tarot card palm reading uh, and people want to know like what's happening and they want some sort of information and so they'll go to the occult often for information about the future. So I'm going to talk then about God's will and we talked last week about God's moral will which is what is right and wrong. You know, he gives us commands. This is, this is correct. This is the thing to do. Um, you know, stealing and murder and so on is wrong. That's outside his moral will. And then God's sovereign will, which is what actually happens in God's sovereignty and sometimes allows for evil, which can lead to good. But God, God is sovereign, he's the king, and, and he allows things to happen. Um, and we talked about uh, the and Judas would be an example of that. And we can relate these two together, and people use the word permissive will to kind of relate to the two, the, the, the moral and the sovereign will together. But what I want to ask is, is there also an individual will of God? Like a will for you that's not about what's right or wrong, it's not about, about um, what's going to happen anyway. It's what God's choice is for your life. So, for example, where you're going to live, who, who, if, and when you will marry, what church you'll belong to, what work you will do, buying decisions, even what clothes to wear today. And uh, I'm sure there's nobody here that at least one of those decisions we haven't grappled with at some point, and possibly all of them. So I'm going to give you two extremes of guidance, and we're going to look at why I think there's a problem with both of them. And the first is the dot of God's perfect will. Now imagine that circle is everything that you could do that wouldn't be breaking God's commands. So outside of that would be the lying, cheating, stealing stuff. But inside, you know, you're, you're behaving according to God's commands. But this idea is that within that, God's got a dot uh, of what you should be doing. So um, you need to live somewhere. You need to get some sort of accommodation. It wouldn't be wrong to live there, but does God have this 
spot for you. And the idea is that God's mapped out an exact path for you your whole life, a dot for everything. All your, every single uh, um, choice you have, there's a dot that you have to find. Even the smallest thing is important in this model. Um, but then if you challenge that, well, like, is everything important? Is it, like, important, you know, whether I walk on this side or this? Well, okay, they would say, well, actually, normal life is all right. So, you know, just normal life, you don't have to ask God. That's up to you. But major decisions you need to ask God. And so this would be, um, so, for example, um, you know, choices that, that uh, uh, affect your future. Um, not only do you need to ask God, but you've got to find the dot. You've got to find the dot in those things. <clears throat> and one of the problems is where do you draw the line? Like what is major? And people can get into all kinds of bondage. Now, I want to say it is true that God has a destiny for you. And I believe that God does for each of us. But it's not a mechanical thing like this. We can get into, under this yoke I, I, of burden. I remember shopping with somebody that had this dot view and they wanted to buy a bed. And there were a couple of different beds, several beds that were would have been good. And, but they couldn't make a decision because God hadn't led them. And then some weird little thing happened and they said, oh, that must be God and that must be the bed. And it was like... <laughs> How did that make that the bed? But that was the way that they worked. Um, and I told you last week about the man I met who, who was a, in his 60s. And when he was a teenager, he thought God had directed him to go to the mission field and he never went. And so he'd missed the dot. And so his whole life was um, now outside of God's plan. What a sad situation to be in. Uh, I don't. I, I. I don't believe that. You know, if you get off God's God's plan for you, there's no way back on again. That's crazy. Um, and then the next one: God's chosen a person for you and will reveal them personally to you if you sincerely seek them. Chosen a spouse. What do you think? Has God chosen a specific spouse for every person? Is that unless they're unless they God's called them to be celibate? Is that right? You can, you can get, this is very problematic. Just think about what the implications are. If you, what if you marry the wrong person? You miss the dot. You marry the wrong, is your whole life then uh, ruined by that? What if you were married before you became a Christian and you weren't even looking for, for God's dot and you were married, whoever you were married? So you, what's, you, what's going to happen then? Um, what if the person God has chosen you, for you actually doesn't get the dot idea and marries someone else and then you're stuck because they've married someone else and so you can even if you get your right decision it's too late are you doomed uh, i've got a friend who was very fond of a particular girl and he spent about a year trying to find guidance should he should he date her or not and um and this is this is absolutely true. Um, he eventually felt that God was guiding into him, asked her out for a date, discovered a few days previously 
someone else had asked her for a date. She started dating this other guy and ended up marrying him. He was devastated. He went into depression for several years. Eventually he came out and um, he, he, now he's happily married. Very happily married. Both couples are very happily married. Um, what do you think of that? Can you see where the kind of weird things can lead you? So I'm not saying, you know, you can marry anybody. It doesn't matter. But what I'm saying is that the most important thing in a marriage is, is that you're, you're working on it and you're, and you're committed to it and you have that, you're behaving in the right way. And, and it's, it's not a situation where only one particular marriage could work for you. So, so uh, uh, but let's, let's go back to the dot. The problem with this view is that even the smallest thing uh, like what color socks you put on could have an effect um, that ripples across the world. Have you heard the butterfly effect? You know, a butterfly flaps its wings in one country and that leads to something. And eventually, you know, a monsoon occurs the other side of the world. Well, if you wear a particular color pair of socks and somebody notices them and it changes their action and, and da, 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 you know, it could actually be really important what color socks you wear. You need to see God's will. And you can get to this bondage where everything becomes really, really important. Um, so uh, in practice, people who follow the dot classify things into two types, the important and the non-important. And there's no real biblical basis for doing that. So there's a reaction against that. So this is the dot view. The, the opposite, which people call wisdom view, and there's a famous book called Decision Making in the Will of God by Gary Friesen, which espouses this view and I think is far too extreme. And he says there's no dot. Hey, you can do anything. Enjoy the freedom of doing anything inside of there. God offers wisdom. He promises wisdom. God never promises you guidance. So you've got freedom to do anything you want in the circle. And so if you get two job offers, you're applying for a job. If you get two offers, then um, uh, you don't say, oh, no, no, I've got to ask God's will about which one it is. You say, praise God, he's given me two choices. You know, I can choose either of them. Uh, I can work out which I think is best. Um, so let me ask you, what do you think? Do you think that we've got complete freedom to do anything we want to that's not morally wrong? And we don't have to bother with asking God about it. Well, the problems come with this view when we look at how things were actually practiced in the life of Jesus and in the life of disciples. And I'm going to suggest to you now, we've looked at this problematic view and uh, two problematic views. I'm going to suggest some New Testament examples of guidance and four different ways that we can look at this. Um, so uh, we talked about the individual will. This is the dot for you. God's got a plan for every detail of your life. The way of wisdom, which is the circle with no dot. But um, I'm going to suggest uh, two other views, and we're going to look at these, at what the support is from the scripture. A modified view of the wisdom view, usually there's a circle, but sometimes God gives a dot. <clears throat> sometimes. Um, but usually it's, it's a circle. And uh, I'll call that a modified um, w way of wisdom. And this is, this, is, this is much better, but I don't think it's what we're going to see. I'm going to suggest, 
out, out to say yes. What, so what they would say is do your due diligence, but be open to supernatural direction. So you make the best choice you can, but if God guides you somewhere else, then go for it. So I'm going to say having the mind of Christ, living how Jesus lived, which is similar in many ways to number three, but take seriously the fact that we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. There is a big difference between guidance in the New Testament after the giving of the Spirit and guidance in Old Testament times. When David got back from battle and discovered his city had been destroyed and his wife had been taken captive, he didn't. He thought, well, should I go and try and rescue them or should I not? What did he do? He went to the high priest and the high priest did something which, which um, we, with, with, we don't exactly what it was, but it was a kind of yes or no, and was, was able to tell him, yes, he should go. And so he couldn't, he, he couldn't individually go and get, get guidance himself. He had to go through the, like, the, the uh, hierarchy of the priesthood. That was David. Even just before the Spirit was poured out in the New Testament, they had to choose another disciple because Judas was dead. Do you remember how they did it? They cast lots after doing the due diligence to work out who was possible. Was that right? Well, actually, it was the right thing to do before the Spirit was given because the, that was the Old Testament way of doing it. That was how things worked in the Old Testament. And the, what would be, where only God has got control over which way the lot goes. And so I would argue that was the right way at that particular moment in time. But we are in a different world now. And uh, we, we are uh, living in a world where we have the Holy Spirit. And uh, uh, I want to suggest to you that um, if we look at the New Testament, we're going to look at a number of verses that, that people are being, ha- have a relationship with God. And out of that relationship with God through the Spirit, there is a way of uh, knowing what God wants you to do. Um, so uh, there's, so I'm going to give you an example. Um, let me just, uh, there we go. Matthew 20, 12, 50. Whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. So what's Jesus talking about? He's talking about not just um, following the scriptures. He's talking about actually doing kingdom work. Uh, It goes on, uh, Romans 12, verse 2. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, good and acceptable and perfect. Hey, this is very interesting here. This is very interesting. So we re- our minds are renewed through the Spirit, and we c- this gives us the discernment what the will of God is, what's good and acceptable. See, this is a different dimension. <clears throat> what is happening here? What is going on here? Uh, Jesus was very, very concerned, uh, we read in Matthew Matthew 12 there, to do the will of the Father, but um, 
there are many places in Jesus' life where he talks about, he spends a lot of time in prayer and then he, he makes decisions. So, for example, when he chose the 12 disciples, he spent the night in prayer beforehand. So this has got to mean something to us. This, this, this uh, questioning like, God, what would you have me to do at this point? When he was, the disciples found him talking to the women of Samaria, they said, you know, what are you doing? And he said, my food and drink is to do the will of him who sent me. And that's why I'm, I'm hungry to do that. And my, his will is for me to be here. So obviously there is something that's going on that is, that is, is, um, is more than just God's moral will. Um, we read about God's sovereign will. Um, God makes choices in 1 Corinthians 1. 1 we read Paul called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother Sosthenes. So Paul is called by God's will. God sovereignly stopped him on the road to Damascus and called him. And that is God breaking in to our life and, and, and sovereignly acting. But then... The interesting God's directive will. Uh, this is the one I read, uh, John four thirty four. Jesus said to them, "My food is to do the will of Him who sent me and to accomplish His work." And it's not just to avoid sin. In John five thirty, I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not my own will, but the will of Him who sent me. And then in chapter 6 of John, for I've come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. So clearly in there in Jesus' life is a wanting to do more than just keep the law. He had a calling on his life he wanted to do. And I would suggest to you that Jesus is the perfect human who is modeling for us how we should live our lives. And his life is coming out of a rich prayer life with God and an understanding about how he should live out of that. Now, I won't say that all of us will live up to the, the measure of Jesus, but it, it's, it's at least it's, it's the kind of life that we should live. So uh, when, we look, when we then look at how this is put in practice by the uh, by the apostles, by the disciples, we see the same kind of thing. I could give you lots of examples, but we see in many places there are times when they're supernaturally directed to do something. So Paul on his journey um, was going to go into a particular region to do mission work and he had a vision that he should go in another direction and across the sea, which he did. And there are other times when something supernaturally happened. Uh, Philip was evangelizing in one place. Suddenly he was whisked off by the spirit and put next to somebody who, who had a, in a chariot and told you need to speak to that person in the chariot. And so obviously very clearly supernatural. You don't have to say, you know, is God speaking to me now or not? You know, it's very, very clear that he is. However, at the same time, there are times when it seems they are, are acting from wisdom. And so here's a story. Uh, they have to make a decision about where to stay in Philippi. So in Acts 16, they went to Philippi, a Roman colony, and a leading city of the district of Macedonia. It says, we stayed in that city for several days. 
On the Sabbath day, we went outside to the city gate by the river where we were expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down there and spoke to the women gathered there. A God-fearing woman, so she's like an Old Testament woman, God-fearing God but doesn't know about Jesus, named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira, was listening. The Lord opened her heart to respond to what Paul was saying. So she she was saved. She was born again. After she and her household were baptized, she urged us, if you consider me a believer in the Lord, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. So I'm sure that it wasn't like her her cunning persuasion that, that managed to persuade Paul. I'm sure it was because she had good reasons for this. You know, she had... The, the means to look after them. She could provide them a base for the gospel, which she did. And so he's making this decision. He doesn't need a, a vision of an angel saying, you need to go and, and stay at, at uh, you, your people need to go and stay at, at Lydia's house. No, he doesn't need that. He's making a decision from the wisdom that he's given. And I'm sure he's asking God, Lord, if I'm making the wrong choice here, I, please show me, please Direct me now, but I pray, Lord, give me wisdom as to what I should, how I should respond to this. And having weighed things up, he decides that he should go with her, and that turns out to be the right choice. So, uh, what I'd like to do now is I've, I've talked about some generalities. I'd like to get really concrete and specific now about the kinds uh, of things that we can use for guidance and how we should process this. So, looked at two problematic views, the dot and the circle. We've looked at a few verses here in the New Testament, and now I would look, like to look at these principles. And just to outline it very um, simply, ask God for wisdom and ask him for direction. Ask him that you, he will help you just be a wise person, but also, if he wants to, to give you something specific. Uh, beware if one of them contradicts the other. You think okay, this is obviously the wise thing to do, but maybe God's giving me this weird kind of, I should do this. Just be aware of that. I mean, sometimes God guides you to do foolish things, but very, very rarely. Um, Guard against the subjective, which are feelings. And I'm going to talk about this. When I say guard against them, I don't mean they're never right. But what I mean is we can get distracted by feelings in a a way that can be damaging. And I'll talk more about this in just one moment. So here's my grid that I'm going to be using now for the rest of this message today. (laughs) Communications from God. And I've got four categories here. And uh, I've I've got two rows. I've got the objective and I've got the subjective. So by objective... I mean something that's open for discussion. You know, I can show it to you. It's out there. Something like, you know, I've had an offer on a house I'm thinking of of renting or something like that that's there, that's that's physically there. Um, uh, That's objective. Subjective, other people can't see it. Like, I I feel really, really bad about this. I don't feel comfortable about this job offer I've got. Something feels off about it. That's subjective. Other people can't see that. It's inside me. And so those are two categories are quite important because if we go to somebody for guidance and we say, could you help me talk through this? They can't really help us on the subjective side because they can't see it. They could say, 
the objective, they can say, well, you've been given these two job offers. Um, you know what? I could, this could be a good thing. And they could give you advice on the objective. Subjective is much more difficult. The two columns. What does God always communicate to you? What does he always guide us on? And how does he sometimes work? And uh, so let's start off by filling the first box in. <clears throat> Objective always. The Bible. He always gives us the Bible. He always gives us his truth in the scripture, what is wrong and right. Um, especially values. So not just you shouldn't do this, you should do this, but values like love and justice are there in the Bible and they're not just like you should do this or you shouldn't do this. It's about what you value and whether the choice supports those kingdom values. And God always uh, always uh, communicates, he tells us, through godly advice from others. And um, I won't say it always does, but that's something that's available all the time. And uh, there's a proverb that says there's wisdom in a multitude of counsellors. In other words... If you ask more than one person, it's a good idea. Then you won't get just one person's spin on it. And uh, so uh, those, that, that quadrant then is the, the most solid one. And it's the most foundational one um, because those things are always there and they are objective things. And so the, the, let's just pause it for a moment. Any comments on that? Do you understand my, the way I've divided things up? Excellent question. What if you get contradictory advice from others? And that's quite possible that you will. Yes. It feels less objective. Uh, feels, so the question then is how you weigh those. Yes. And that the weighing of them might be less objective. The advice is objective, but you need a bit more in order to, to weigh those. That, that's a, that's a really important. Um, and sometimes, unfortunately, people give you advice which is against kingdom values. And so you do have to weigh that up as well. So um, the next category that I'm going to go down to the subjective. Um, so God-given wisdom, common sense and personal desires. And God always pr um, uh, promises these, um, but but... It might not, um, but we might, we might not see it, like we might not really see what he's saying, but we, God always promises that he's going to give us wisdom. Uh, we, we, um, we, uh, he's, he's, we ask for it, he will give it to us, even though it might not seem, okay, I, it's, this is a completely clear to me. Common sense, I would say spiritual common sense, believer's common sense, and personal desires I think is important. Um, you know, we, sometimes we've got this feeling that if I really want it, it can't be God's will. You know, God wants me to do unpleasant things. But actually, I think, generally speaking, the opposite is true. If God has given you a desire for something, he leads us into things that we are we are. We are, we are good at and we enjoy. Uh, so the kind of career that you do, a good, a good indication, important indication is, do you enjoy doing this? Because if you enjoy doing this, then it probably matches your gifting. And so it is something you should go towards. So I would say personal desires is very important. And of course, particularly when it comes to choosing a spouse, 
It's, um, it's something that you should consider very seriously. So um, it's subjective, but it's always there, and it's always important to consider that. And sometimes we can, we can think we're being too holy to consider our own personal desires, which is not, not the case. And then the, the next one I want to look at is the sometimes objective. Now, what if I have a public vision you know, an angel appears to all of us and um, he comes and he says, uh, he appears there and he says, uh, Andrew, I want you to get on a plane and go to England to see Anne um, because she's going to need you in the next couple of weeks. Uh, and, and all of us can see, like, did you see that angel? Is that what it said to me? Yeah, like this is, this is very, very clear. And this happened in the New Testament and it can happen now. Uh, could be an audible voice that speaks objectively. Um, there could be unusual coincidences. Now, we need to treat these with care, and I'm going to spend quite a bit of time on this because I think unusual coincidences are one of the main roads to taking the wrong turning that we can get. But having said that, it can be a very clear way of um, uh, uh, of getting guidance. So... Um, so uh, my dad was given a six-month sabbatical by, his, uh, by the church. He was a pastor. And he decided to spend Saturday morning praying about whether he should go to New Zealand because he was thinking I should, maybe he should go there. And uh, he'd heard it was a lovely place, and, uh, he, but he needed somewhere to stay. So he prayed, and he spent the morning. At noon... The phone went. It was a phone call from New Zealand. The person, I kid you not, they said, if you're ever thinking about coming to New Zealand, we have a house for you and a car that you can use while you're here. They had no idea that he even had a sabbatical. Um, so do you say, oh, well, that was an interesting fact. Uh, you know, ah, well, maybe... Or do you say, you know, maybe since I was actually praying about that and it happened immediately, I finished praying, maybe that's God. So I would say that would fit in the category of unusual coincidences that must be God. It would be just too unlikely for it to be to be something that's just a coincidence. And that's objective because I can tell you the story. Everybody could verify this story is true. Um, so uh, there's... Um, let me tell you a, 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 a negative story about, about um, guidance. So many years ago, I, I, when we first moved to Canada, uh, I'd, I loved playing the guitar and I didn't bring one with me and I had guitar withdrawal. So I decided I have to get myself a guitar and I went round stores looking at one and I saw one which I fell in love with. Uh, it's a Gibson Flying V. And I thought, oh, this is, this is just the one for me. So I prayed uh, because I thought I need to know if this is the one. It was quite expensive. Is this the one God has to have for me? And as I prayed, I felt I had some scripture passages that indicated to me that God wanted to me to buy this flying V. You know, scriptures where there was a capital V in the verse. And it, you know, and it was all about V for victory, and God promises you victory, and like this caricature symboled victory, symbolized victory for me. And um, I really wanted to be led by the Spirit. And so I just, and I, I got to the point, like, this is so clear. Like, there has been so many places where there's unconvertible 
uncontradictable evidence that God is guiding me in this. Anyway, before I bought it, I thought, you know, I should, um, I should just find out a bit about how it sounds. And so I made some inquiries from somebody who knew a lot of, about more about guitars than me. And I discovered that this particular model of guitar had some rather negative features about it, which actually were against the kind of style that I wanted to play and didn't give the sound I was looking for. And suddenly, I wasn't interested in buying it at all. And I was shocked at myself at how quickly my sense of being led evaporated. So I started looking at the scriptures again, and I thought, yeah, maybe those scriptures actually weren't guiding me. Um, and uh, th- this was something I concocted in my heart to provide a rationale for doing something that I wanted to do. And it's so easy to rationalize this kind of thing. And so, and so I didn't buy the guitar. Um, and this, this is something which, which um, my wife, by Anne and I joke, as we call the blue van effect. Because many years ago, we, um, we, we, we got a blue van. And as soon as we got this blue van, we noticed them everywhere. Like, I never knew there were so many on the road because now you know what they look like and you, you tune to them. And once we're thinking about something, we'll notice things everywhere that are related to it and we'll think God is guiding us. You know, oh, I see Ferraris everywhere. It must be a Ferrari God wants me to have. You know, this is, this, so I call this the blue van effect. Um, so, um, uh, so let's look at the, the fourth category. <clears throat> and this would be subjective and sometimes prophetic words, wise spiritual insights, <clears throat> impressions from the spirit, and by that I mean a burden or, or peace. So I'm just feeling like I'm just feeling a real burden to do this. I really just feeling God's putting on my heart to do this, or um, or I'm just feeling peace about this decision. I just don't feel peace about this decision. These these can be the spirit working, but you need to be careful about them because so often they can be misconstrued. So um, it's something that um, I remember uh, somebody who was, um, they were they were going to be baptized, and then they said, no, I didn't want to be baptized. Well, you're a Christian? Yeah, I'm a Christian. But God says, be baptized, it's a command. Yeah, I don't feel peace about it. I just don't feel, I'm like, hang on a minute, is this, where's this piece? Is it just because like you're, you don't like occasions where you're up the front? Is that what it is? Is that where the lack of peace is coming from? Or is that, is the spirit telling you you shouldn't obey God's command? You know, so this is the problem with peace. It's very, very easily misconstrued. And dreams, of course. The scripture, God spoke to many people through dreams. The trouble with that is that often we dream about the kind of thing that we're afraid of or is on our minds. And so dreams can be provoked by what we've been thinking about rather than by the spirit. And so talking to other people about our dreams and saying, do you think there's anything there would be quite important, I believe. So I'm going to be wrapping this up now, but um, uh, I, I have a story which is, which is quite a remarkable story, and I'm going to tell you this next time, uh, but I'm just going to give you a, a preview about it. I was reading a story about, uh, by one of the greatest women missionaries who's ever lived, and she was talking about, about a time that she lived in Toronto and about a time that God guided her. And I'm reading this book, and I'm reading it, and suddenly... She says, she talks about God's guiding her on this walk, and suddenly she's in Sac- on Sackville Street. 
This is 100 years ago. <laughs> She's on Sackville Street. And wow, it's kind of relevant. This is the street I live in. And um, so I'm going to tell you the story about how she was guided to Sackville Street next time. And it's, it's, it's kind of, it's very, um, it's, it's a very interesting, remarkable story. Um, so uh, next week, Dan is preaching. And we look forward to that. And the week after that, Andy is preaching. And the one after that, we're going to be getting the next part of this. And I'm going to be... Um, uh, I'm going to be spending some time on practically each of these quadrants, practically what it looks like to, to seek guidance in these and look at the difference between the Old and the New Testament and how we do this as New Testament Christians and how we, we model the life of Jesus in, this, in, in, uh, in guidance. But I just want to say one thing when we finish. Um, if we are filled with the Spirit, we can sometimes be guided without even knowing it, without even consciously being aware, because the Spirit is working in us. I was talking to a Muslim man, and we were, we were talking about different things, and uh, not about religion. And uh, then it was, it, was, uh, it was nighttime, and suddenly he said, wow, look at those stars up there. Isn't it amazing that God created such incredible stars. And I said, yes. I said, isn't that amazing? And, it is. and just to think that the God who created that stars actually loves me personally and wants an intimate relationship with me. Isn't that amazing? I was just saying that out of the thoughts or in my heart. And then I thought, wow, Andrew, that's probably the most, most significant thing you could say to a Muslim at that point. Because that's the gap that he's missing with Allah. And I, but I, like, it came out of my mouth before I'd even thought about it. And it was the perfect way of, of uh, bridging that gap between what he was saying and who our God is. And I think that this can often happen when we're, wit when we're, we're witnessing to people. In fact, uh, we're promised by Jesus that in, in situations of testing, the words will be put into our mouth as we say them. And so I want to encourage you that sometimes if you're filled, if you're a Christian, you're filled with the Spirit, then you, even without asking for guidance, you could be naturally just in a reflex action, behaving in a way that the Spirit is being exhibited in your lives. So just going back uh, as we close to, and, and maybe the worship team can come up now, as we close, I want to leave you with one thing. Jesus, before he chose the 12, as I said, spent the night in prayer. There seems to be a connection between, in the New Testament, between guidance and prayer that's there frequently. And so if there's one thing that you need to do if you need guidance, it's to be serious about praying to God about it. Give it time, not just a quick prayer, God now, what should I do here? Give it time. Spend some time with him and get to know him. As you read the scriptures and, and learn who he is, you'll learn what kind of things he wants and, your, and guidance will flow through that relationship. So let's just pray now. I particularly want to pray for the people right now who are facing issues of choice in their lives. And I know there's a few. Heavenly Father, we thank you that 
You've not just given us the scriptures, but you've given us your spirit who lives within us. And thank you, God, that your desire is that we should serve you in, in a way that brings glory to your kingdom and brings glory to you and also takes us on a life that is the life you have for us. Lord, we thank you for this desire. Lord, we cry to you now, particularly for the people in this room who are struggling with questions right now that they need answers to. Pray, Lord, that you will help them make the decisions. Pray, Lord, that all of us will help us make decisions, large and small, in our lives. We bring this to you now in Jesus' name. Amen.